We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. The scripture where the disciples are questioning Jesus after the rich young ruler walks away and they, he's, he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and they said well then, then who can be saved and he says with man it is impossible period that's what he's saying and with man it is impossible there is not enough riches in this world there is not enough intellect there is not enough that you can bring to the table to purchase your salvation but I love it because he has that little word there, but. Amen. But with God, all things are possible. Church, we got to start believing in the God of the impossible once again. We've got to start trusting in the God that can do the impossible. Some of you have witnessed God do the impossible in your life. I wonder if anybody wants to give him praise for the impossible. Amen. The God of the impossible. We're going to continue our series on uh, heart trouble, or, or, and, 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 and uh, we're going to talk about something that's going to be kind of hard-hitting today, but it is the heart of compromise. And I believe that one of the major issues troubling the, the, the children of God today is the heart of compromise. Some of it is because we've had a lot of wrong doctrine taught throughout the years in our heads that, that has corrupted our way of thinking of how we should walk with God. And I want you to understand this morning that what I'm sharing with you, I'm wanting to share out of love for you because I believe that, that, that God wants to bless your life. But God can't bless your life if you are living a life of compromise. He can't do it. The only way the Lord is going to truly bless someone who walks with him is someone who lives a life with no compromise. I, I just am not going to, to compromise that. I'm not going to compromise the, the Word of God in my life. We're going to be looking at a couple of different passages of Scripture, but we're going to be mainly focusing on uh, Psalms chapter 1. So uh, if, if you have your Bibles, I, I'm going to get, start encouraging you to do this. Bring your Bible to church. Bring your Bible to church. Even if you're reading a different translation than me, I want you to bring your Bible to church. We need to start dusting these things off and start using them. And I want you to bring a pen. I want you to, to underline scripture. I want you, when something speaks to your life, to underline it and say, you know what? I, I need this in my life. I need, I need to remember this. And so today we're going to, to talk about Psalms in just a moment. But before that, I want to share just a verse of scripture about the heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 through uh, 9 through 10 says it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. This is a very powerful passage of Scripture where, first of all, uh, uh, Jeremiah is, the Lord is prophesying through Jeremiah, and the Lord is asking us, saying, who can know the heart? Who can, who, do you know the heart is deceitful above all things? It's desperately sick. One, one pass, our translation says it's desperately wicked. Your heart will lead you down the wrong path. Have you ever heard somebody say, just trust? your heart. You better be careful trusting your heart. Your heart will get you in trouble. I wonder if anybody's heart has ever gotten them in trouble. Amen? Uh, amen. And I'm not just talking about romantically. I'm talking about it can get you in trouble financially. Oh, I just love that car. Yeah. You know, I just love this house. And, and it can get us in a lot of trouble if we're not careful. Our heart is desperately deceitful above all things. It's sick is what the Bible says. Who can understand it? That's where he goes. At. He, he says, who can understand it? Who can, who can really understand matters of the heart? I, 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 I want you to understand something today. How many out there, you have a trouble understanding matters of the heart? Come on, uh, because the, I'll give you an illustration of this. Have you ever seen somebody with somebody they shouldn't be with, and, you, and they know they shouldn't be with them, but they won't break free? Matters of the heart. Now, we can get into soul ties, but that's another sermon for another time. But, but again, the heart will deceive you and, and, and make you stay in a situation that's horrible for you, horrible for your life, and, and because it can be deceitful. And so it, it's a compromising thing. He says, so who can know it? He says, guess what? I, the Lord, search the heart. He's answering his own question. He says, I know it. 
I know the heart. I search the heart, and I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. In other words, this goes, let's put it in a New Testament way. Whatever you sow, that's you're going to reap. Amen. If you sow bad things, you're going to reap bad things. You sow good things, you're going to sow good things or reap good things. God wants all of us to understand that the heart can lead us into the wrong area. Psalms 1 teaches us that the abundance of joy is the result of an uncompromising purity in our righteous work with God. In other words, God will bless us when we live a life that is uncompromised. And we say, you know what? I just am not going there. I'm just not giving up what I believe in. In that area. Uh, and simply put is, uh, what do you think when you hear the word compromise? I want you to ask yourself that today. What do you think of that? Is it bad? Is compromise a bad thing? Or is it, al- is it always a bad thing? Not necessarily. Sometimes compromise can be a good thing, okay? But sometimes compromise can be a bad thing. Here's a quick little illustration I come across. I thought it was great. Uh, if two porcupines Everybody know what a porcupine is? Really prickly animal. If two porcupines want to snuggle, a little compromise here and there is a good thing. Think about that. If two porcupines want to want to snuggle, however, that same porcupine knows that if you don't make a, if you make it don't make any compromises with a hungry wolf. In other words, a wolf will get you if you compromise and you're a porcupine. In other words, God, we got to be careful for the church to maintain the unity of the body. We often called to um, to make some compromises. In other words, you're not going to make everybody happy. All right, so sometimes we have to compromise a few things, but we are never to compromise with sin or evil. There's where there should be no compromise. We should never look and say, you know what, that's okay. Or, you know, I will tell you right now, we need to stand firm on the Word of God. Somebody says, where do you stand on this issue? Well, you, wherever the Word of God stands, that's where I stand because that's what leads to life. I'm going to tell you, I don't care if you have a, a thousand counselors telling you, you're okay. If you're violating God's word, you better listen. You better listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you because I've got news for you. Man will compromise. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to destruction. In other words, we can, we can, we can justify our, our reasons for compromise, but it won't hold water in the end. Today I want to address what it, what it means to comp- have a compromising heart, or in other words, a compromised walk with God. To compromise with evil is like an octopus capturing its prey. The octopus slowly wraps its tentacles around, uh, around its prey to, to the point that they don't even notice they're being surrounded. Then in one violent move, it captures its prey and devours it. Allowing, uh, allowing the slow-moving tentacles of evil to wrap, around, wrap themselves around us, squeezing the joy and the rewards of an obedient life to Christ will kill us. I want you to understand some of us, we're suffering from low joy in our life. We, we just can't find joy. We can't hide, find peace. We can't sleep at night. I want you to ask yourself, am I compromising in areas of my life that is causing the Holy Spirit to convict me? Now, I'm not talking about condemnation. That that, that could come from anybody. I'm talking about real, true conviction. I I feel like this is wrong, and and I need to stop it. I want you to understand that you don't need to overlook what the Spirit is saying because it will cause you to lose your peace. It will cause you to lose your joy in the Lord. Amen? Have you met Christians that are joyless? I have. I meet them every day. They're joyless. Now, I'm not talking about some things. We walk through some things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sinful compromises in our life can take our joy because we know we're not walking like we should. We need to ask ourselves where we're at when we feel that. Compromise rarely, rarely, if ever, happens quickly or out of the blue. I've never met somebody that compromises quickly. In other words, very rarely does that happen. In other words, they live in good, and they're living the right life, and then this opportunity for, for wrong comes up, and they said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. No, it's, it's a slow process. Compromise usually takes time. And it is, it is the, the tearing away of our, our, our standing firm in an area. In other words, we begin to listen to the wrong counsel. We're going to get into that in a moment. Compromise happens slowly, subtly, step by step, so much so that we hardly ever realize, just like that octopus, we hardly realize it's taking place. Only the most vigilant, those who watch, and watch will notice. What does the Lord say? Be careful. Watch your soul. Watch your heart. 
Watch yourself. It says, be careful that you're not deceived. By the way, the greatest power, I asked this uh, not long ago, and I think man came, what is the greatest power that Satan has? Somebody says, well, it's to do this, it's to do that. Actually, it, it's one thing, and that is to deceive. That's his greatest power. If he can deceive you into thinking right is wrong and wrong is right, he'll do it. And that is going on in our society today heavily. So we need to be watchful over our souls. Imagine that one day you arrive home to find the massive oak tree in your front yard that has fallen down. You, ever, you know, it's just fallen on your house. It didn't happen all out of the blue. In other words, either there was a tremendous wind or, or a pest or, or deterioration from the inside was taking place. There was some problem that you didn't see that was slowly eating away at the strength of that tree. So it gave way when pressure came. I want you to understand if we're not careful... We will allow things to slowly weaken us spiritually to the point that when temptation comes, we give in. We will allow things to slowly weaken us to the point that when, when we don't even realize it, we're compromising when we said we never would. I'll never do that. Somebody said, never say never. I'll never do that. See, I, I was told that when I was uh, growing up. I was a preacher's kid, and they said, oh, you'll probably preach like your daddy. Well, I'd already heard, so I was going to be smart with God. You never tell God never. You ever heard that one? So I never would say never. I said, well, I'll do whatever God wants, you know, but I don't think it's that, but I'll, I'll do what he wants. I knew not to say never. <laughs> Isn't it so foolish how we think we can pull one over on God? That's so silly now. I look at that, I'm like, really? Seriously? If God wants you to do it. He's going to put it on you and he ain't going to take it off. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Compromise happens slowly. Imagine that that happened. In other words, and then boom, one day you're looking saying, I never thought that tree would fall. And then when you get there, it's diseased inside. I know a few years ago, and, and maybe the Lord was just blessing us because we do our Boston butt sale every November, a tree fell in, in uh, Jim's yard. It happened to be a massive uh, hickory tree, and it fell in his front yard. And, of course, we've been, you know, uh, doing our Boston butts off that hickory for a long time now. But, uh, again, it fell in his front yard. It was a massive massive tree and it just missed his house but you know what in the very center of that tree there was a problem I want you to understand that if we're not careful in the center of our lives if we're not the, the compromise will begin to rot inside our lives our spirit it will cause rot decay and that decay will cause a a, a a catastrophic event in our spiritual walk if we're not careful compromise works the same way we do not suddenly we do not suddenly and with no reason fall into sin we don't just say hey let me go you know sin sin let me in we don't do that cheer and just say yeah I'm ready no we slowly we slowly have it our 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 our, our resolve uh, weaken uh, perhaps it appears to, to to be, uh, you know, okay on the other side, but we're standing strong. Before long, we begin to listen to the counsel of the ungodly, the Bible says. If you are, a, are spiritually blind, you will miss the process that is weakening your spiritual walk. Slowly, almost in, in, imperceivably, one, one rationalization can lead to another, amen, which triggers a series of equally damaging alterations in our walk with God. In other words, our stability begins to weaken slowly, but surely our resolve begins to weaken slowly but surely. I'm going to just get really blunt this morning to all our young ladies and young men in this room. If you're dating somebody and you're constantly having to fight their hands, guess what? If you're not careful, you, you will, it will wear you down and weaken you. You need to sever that relationship. You need to tell them, no, I'm God's property. Well, I don't get any amens on that. Who's God's property in this room? Oh, we like to sing it. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. Listen, if you are, you're not your own property. Be careful. Be careful. In other words, slowly it will deteriorate us. And once we were stable, but now we're weak. The psalmist very much were, was aware of the pattern of compromise in sinful lives. Most likely the psalm was written following one of the times when he had fallen into sin, because he did repeatedly. We know David had some trouble. Amen. He had a little bit of trouble. All right, I'll just break it down for you. David liked the ladies. Yes, he did. Had some trouble. <laughs> as long as he was doing God's work, he didn't have a problem. As long as he was out leading the armies of Israel against the enemies of Israel, he had no problem. It's when he decided to set home. He made one too many trips to the rooftops. And, you know, I don't think, I'm going to just go there. Can I go there? I'm going to go there anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, David and Bathsheba. 
You know, we all know that Bathsheba was another man's wife. And one day David uh, looks on her taking a bath. And before long, we see where he summons her to his chambers. He commits adultery with her. A child is conceived. It gets even worse. He wants to cover this, this sin by, by bringing her husband home from, from battle. And, and he says, now you go be with your wife. So the, he could say the pregnancy wasn't his. This is in the Bible. This is a Bible story. Amen. And he tries to hide his sin. He says, you go be with her. And he says, I can't do that while men are suffering. My men are on the front lines battling. I can, how can I go home and, and, and be a husband when this is going on? I need to be, be the men fighting. Okay? Uriah was saying, I need to stand strong for the Lord. That's what I need to do. So he refused to do that. So it got worse. The king got so worried about getting found out. You ever done something and you've been scared to death, you're going to get caught. That's everybody in this room. Amen. Amen. I remember one time on a Halloween, we went out to egg a house. And we hid the eggs, and Dad found them. And so me and my sister made a pact. We we're going to lie about it. Don't you get all righteous on me. You got egg on your face, I mean your hands. So he found them, and my sister and me made a pact, said, we'll lie about it. So he asked me first. He said, Phil, did you, did you hide those eggs? Were you going to go egg houses? I said, no, sir, we weren't. I was not. He said, Vanessa, are you, were you going to do it? Yes, sir, we were. <laughs> and I don't know if she did it, but in my mind she went, you know, winking like, gotcha. Well, I received many stripes for the gospel's sake that day. My sins found me out. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you got to be careful because you'll make too many trips to the rooftop. See, I don't, I, I don't think David just threw away everything all at once. I think he first got to the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba there and he thought, oh God, and he fled. But then the Bible says, what does James say? Then he began to dwell on that thought. And so about that same time of day, he made another trip. Now, I, 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 and this is my belief, okay? I, I'm, I'm just sharing how I believe it happened. I don't think he just threw away everything with, with one trip to the rooftop. I think that the devil just whittled away and whittled away, and he entertained those thoughts to the point that he could not stand it any longer. And he went one too many times, and his life was forever altered. Listen to me, church. I don't think compromise happens. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody either here or online, and everybody in the room saying, yeah, they're online today. That's where they're at. <laughs> I know how you think. They're online. They, yeah, you get them, Pastor. No, I'm talking to everybody in the room, including the one preaching. I'm telling you, if we're not careful, compromise comes slowly. And before long, things we said would, were unmovable in our life will begin to move the boundary and we'll begin to, to lower the defenses. And before long, our life is where we never dreamed it would be. I'll never do that. I would never hurt Jesus like that. But yet, we compromise. Let's read some scripture. You ready for it? All right. Uh, it's true. In other words, in hindsight, we can look at a lot of things. Most likely, this was written, like I said, after one of David's failures. The first the first psalm, uh, it's the first psalm in the book of Psalms, contrasts two different walks in it. It shows a life conducting, uh, how we conduct ourselves. Let's just read it. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his, uh, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water and yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither. It is all that he does. In all that he does, he prospers. How many wants that kind of life? Amen. Who wants to prosper in life? Not me. I'm happy being. You know. Who wants to prosper in life? I, I, I'd really, I mean, you got to be a pretty depressed person to sit there and say, not me. I'll give you another great story. This is about my nephew, Philip. Um, my brother pastors in Savannah, Georgia, and my nephew was really little, and he was in children's church, and the children's church leader was given, asking questions, and she said, she said, uh, who wants to go to heaven? Who wants to go to heaven? And every, all, all the kids were saying, we want to go to heaven, and Philip said, not me. He's little. And she said, Philip, 
you want to go to heaven? He said, "Mm mm-mm, not me. I'm not going to heaven, and neither is Jeffrey. (laughs) Looked at his little buddy, and Jeffrey looked at him, and he says, right, Jeffrey? And Jeffrey looked and went, okay, Philip, I'll go to hell with you. (laughs) Are you on that? That's pitiful. Smack that kid. That's what I told Martin. I'm kidding. What are you saying? Compromise. If you listen to the counsel of the ungodly, they'll convince you. How many's ever heard this one? I'd rather party in hell with my friends than to go be bored in heaven. You ain't going to party there, my friend. You better read what the Bible says about that place. There's no party in hell. There's no party to be had. It's eternal darkness and separation from the presence of God. And it's also eternal darkness and separation from everyone else. Alone with your thoughts for the rest of eternity. I want you to imagine how horrible that is. I don't want you to preach like that. I'm going to preach like that because I love you. And there needs to be more preaching because even so, Lord Jesus, he's coming, (laughs) folks. I look and I see the signs of the times and they are everywhere and he is coming soon. We better be ready. It is the condition of the soul that I'm talking about this morning and I do not believe he's coming back for a church of compromise. He's coming back for a church, the Bible says, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming back for a church that has washed itself in the blood of Jesus. A church that is standing firm for what is right in a world that is saying wrong is right and right is wrong. I want you to understand this morning, church. It's time to stand up for something. It's time to be off the fence and on the side of God. God wants his soldiers to know the truth because it is the truth that sets the captives free in this world. How many of you know people that need to be set free? Quit tickling their ears. Quit telling them they're okay when they're not. It's like a heart patient that is ignoring the signs and then they get in the hospital and they wonder why they got heart problems. Well, if you'd have come sooner, we could have done this and it would have been okay, but now we're going to have to tear your chest open and operate. And we hope we can do it. Listen to me, folks. Do not ignore the signs of Jesus. They are everywhere. You say, I, I don't like this kind of preaching. You know why you don't like this kind of preaching? Because it should bring an anxiousness to us. Anybody feeling anxious in the room this morning? I know I am. It should bring an anxiousness to the soul. It should make me look at my life. It should make me pray what the psalmist also wrote in another place. Search me, oh God. Look at my life. I don't care how long you've lived for Jesus, folks. I'm going to tell you right now, if I knew I had five seconds left on this earth, I'd be, Lord, forgive me of anything that is not right. Amen? I'd do some soul searching. How about you? This is about searching our lives for compromise. The, The psalmist said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He goes on, he says, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in season and the leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Then he goes on, he says what? There's always a second part to that, by the way. This is known as a prophetic psalm, by the way. David had prophecies that he shared in his psalms. He goes on in verse 4, it says, the wicked are not so but are like chaffed. Chaffed is the, the, the shell around wheat, and it has to be dealt with in order to, if you, if you process wheat with chaff, it is very bitter. It said it's like the chaff that the wind drives away. In other words, it blows it away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. The one, the, one, the, one, the one way is the right way. The godly walk in the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God, Jesus? It says he is the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible declares. We walk in his way. He says that this is how we know that we're walking away because we're blessed because we don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. The wrong way is when we walk according to our own way. We compromise. The psalmist shows compromise is the erosion of our good intentions. Let's say that again. The psalmist says our compromise in our walk with God is the erosion of our good intentions. I intend to do better. Anybody said that? 
Can, you know, come on. We got just a few months and all of us can intend to eat better next year. Uh. Amen. <laughs> all right. New Year's will come and we intend to do a lot of things different. All right. Listen. In the first three verses, the psalmist describes the man who, who consciously resists the subtle inroads of compromise and erodes, uh, that erode commitment. In other words, he addresses those who are going to make life uh, uh, prosperous, those who God's going to bless. He says, this is the man that is listening to the right counsel. Some of us need to change who we're listening to. Hmm. Some of us need to change who we're listening to. I'm going to tell you right now, the opinions of others, when they're not godly opinions, need to be rejected. Amen. He does this by using three negatives, okay? In other words, what, what, what a godly man does is he does not. All right? So he uses some negatives here. He's saying, if you want to be a godly man, you don't do some of these things. We're going to get into the don'ts here in just a minute. It is, it is also simpler for us to understand. The scriptures are filled with do's. The thou shouts, those are things you should do, and the instructions that we are to follow. But sometimes, like here, the writer finds it easier to give, uh, give in a negative touch. In other words, these are things you just don't do. So the psalmist names three areas that you do not do. If you want to stay on the right road, look at somebody say, there's three don'ts that we need to be ever. Don't number one. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I may not get this finished today, but I'm going to... Some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to walk in the counsel of those who do not have a relationship or are in right standing with Christ. Amen? Or we'll even listen to those who claim to be in right standing for Christ. I've got news for you. If you ever come to me for counsel and I give you counsel that contradicts this book, you better rebuke that counsel out of your mind and follow the ways of the Lord because my counsel is worthless unless it's the counsel of God's Word. Listen to me carefully. Some people will claim to be giving you godly counsel and they are not godly. Amen? Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, walk, everybody say walk, walk, is a word that suggests progressive movement along the way. That is the way that Jesus spoke about the Christian life. It is a walk with God. It is a progression of obedience. And I'm using that word progression of obedience is because he knew you couldn't take the whole pile at once. So he says, start off slow. I don't pick on Abby. Abby, Abby, did y'all know Abby won a hot dog eating contest at Auburn University? Can y'all give her a hand? Amen. I, see, when you you want to be my daughter, you're gonna get it. So I just understand that. So Paige gets the day off. So Abby won a hot dog, and y'all got excited. I did, too, when I first got that information. I thought, wow, sweet. No, she didn't. She ate one hot dog faster than the other person. <laughs> Go and learn what this meaneth. That's a, that's a, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God said, I know you can't eat the whole pile of hot dogs, so start out with one little bite. I know you can't take the stronger parts of the word, so concentrate on the sincere milk. That's what Peter calls it. Just concentrate on that love of God. Okay. We got a lot of people that are raw in this church. This, <laughs> and Tina's talking about this. You're new believers. You're you walking in the newness of God you've never experienced before. And because of that rawness, a lot of that rawness still comes out. And that's okay. Amen, church? It's okay. But in my heart, I felt like it's time to start getting some cooking done around here. There comes a point where my rawness needs to give away to living stronger. Okay, let's put it this way. Right now, Maddie's got a baby. That baby thinks she is the center of the world. She don't care about nobody else's feelings. She'll cry anytime she wants to cry. She'll pitch a fit when she wants to pitch a fit. She thinks the world is all about her. How dare her? <laughs> How many of you have ever had that in your house? Okay. 
But there comes a point when that baby's going to grow and if that baby's not allowed to grow, there's going to come worry on that family. Something's not right. Maybe not getting the right nutrition, not getting the right environment. Something's wrong. And we need to correct what's wrong in order to see growth. Listen to me. We all start out as babes in Christ. Can I preach truth today? Is that all right? We all start out as babes in Christ, but there comes a point. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There comes a point where you got to put away the childish things and start walking as a man and woman of faith. Listen to me. And you say, are you talking to me? If you're asking yourself that question, probably. Okay? But I'm not talking to you to get on you. I'm just saying it is time for you to be, you know, we talked about that sin, uh, to, the center to saint cycle and how we need to go from saint to warrior. I want to say, listen, we got to get from the babe cycle to the adolescent cycle and we need to grow up, grow up in our faith to be men and women of faith that we might walk according to the ways of God and be who he told us to be. There comes a time when we no longer can say, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. And the job of the church is to disciple you into maturity in Christ. You've heard the term orphan spirit. It's those who, who think they have to gain God's favor. But in a relationship, eventually that relationship has to mature or that relationship gets old. For instance, if Tina walked in the house and the house is a wreck and it's a mess and I was there all week long and she sees me in the floor with dirt piled up from outside with little toy bulldozers going <laughs> You get that in your head? That'll bless you. And she looks and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm a building a road, baby. <laughs> huh? What did you do? Did you bring dirt from the outside? Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't do it out there. There's bugs. <laughs> you said, that's ridiculous, Pastor. But yet some people in their spiritual walk are still sitting in the floor in a pile of dirt building dirt roads instead of walking the road that leads to life. There comes a time we put away that. Oh, I'm just going to preach today. We put away that stuff, and we start walking towards God's destiny for us because we grow from a babe in Christ to that adolescent to maturity. This is all mapped out in the Scripture. If I had time, I would bring... Paul talks about that, that we might bring them to maturity in Christ. And you know what maturity in Christ is? Is that when I get to the place where it's no longer all about me and me getting to heaven, but I want to help somebody else get there. You see, that is called reproduction. That is how the body of Christ grows. Not because the pastor preaches a good sermon on a Sunday, but because the children of God grow into maturity and in their everyday lives and everyday places, they lead people to know Jesus as their Savior. Do you know people that need Jesus? Yes. If I can just get them to church, maybe you need to take church to them. If I can get them to watch online, maybe they'll never watch online, but they will have a conversation with you. There comes a point in relationship where you have to put away childish things. It's a walk. It's a progression of obedience. It's about growing in knowledge. It's about serving. Well, I'm going to stop here because this is a good one. It's about serving. And serving, the heart of a servant means I just want to serve. I don't care where it is or what it's doing. I just want to serve. Jesus girded himself with a towel, the Bible says, got a basin of water, and he went around the room on the night he would be arrested. Didn't you think he had a little bit on his mind? But instead, he's saying, wait a minute, there's a teachable moment because when we entered this room, evidently the servants didn't wash our feet the way they were supposed to. 
so I'm going to do it. This is a teachable moment. Jesus always would seize the teachable moments. Even when he was on the cross, he seized a moment to share love with a thief. Think about it. So he girds himself with a towel and he goes around the table and he begins to wash their feet. And he begins to serve them. The lowest job. I mean, I want you to think about that. What if your job in the church, if we all wore sandals, was to take a basin of water and wash everybody's feet as they walk through this door? That's not the job everybody's signing up for. And as he's washing their feet, he gets to Peter. And Peter says, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't do this, you'll have no part with me. And I love Peter's reply. Then not just my feet, but my head and my hands. Because I want to be where you are. After he gets through, he looks at him and he says, I have washed your feet, but you also ought to wash one another's feet. He wasn't talking about them literally going around and repeating that process. He was talking about the condition of the heart. He's saying, if you're truly going to be mature in the Lord, you've got to have the heart of a servant. If you're going to be uncompromising, you're going to have the heart of a servant. What is the heart of a servant? A servant does not argue with the master. Are you saying, the, I didn't say pastor, I said master. Servant didn't argue with the master. The master said what he wanted done, and the, master, uh, the, the servant did it. Serve. Serve. It also means walking in relationship. The church will tell you you don't have to, or the, the world will tell you, the ungodly, that you're good. Let's, let's, let me just share a few of these, and then we're going to wrap this part up. But the scripture is clear that we are not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The Word of God, we're to walk in it, the Spirit of God, and to walk among godly people. As long as we are moving, progressing in the counsel, the advice, and the wisdom of godliness, we are pleasing God, and we will not fall into defeat. I want you to understand something. I've come too far and too long. I, I've made up my mind. I wonder if anybody else says, I'm not going to be defeated in Jesus' name. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to hear him say, well done. It takes a determined heart, my friend. Takes a determined heart. The problem comes when Christians walk on the path of God or walking on the path of godliness, but they decide they want to imitate people on other roads. We don't just get on that road, we begin to imitate it. I got news for you there's no room for the world in God's church. Hmm. We do not get off on the right road, we begin to walk. <laughs> on the road of godliness while imitating and following the counsel of the ungodly. Let me, let me just break this down. Here's things that you might hear. You don't have to go to church to worship God. I do it at the lake. I do it out in the tree stand. You don't have to go to church. You can have church right where you're at. You don't stop going to church, but you do notice, and you are compromising in your heart what you could be doing rather than being in church. You're listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Well, I know a lot of godly people that don't go to church, do you? Because if we're godly, we follow the Scripture, right? Well, what do you do with the Scripture that says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and even more so as you see the day approaching. What day you think he's talking about? The coming of the Lord. And I've already told you, 40% of Americans believe we're living in the last days. Well, guess what, church? You need to get your eyes because uh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Somebody says, well, the rapture don't exist because that word is not in the Bible. But it is. Uh, the, the word summarizes one thing. It's a phrase in the Bible which see, means this, caught up and carried away. And that is in the scripture where Jesus is coming and he will catch up his saints and carry them away. Right. That's in the Bible. And we just shortened it to a phrase that we can understand, which is rapture. Rapture. Let's go ahead. Or you'll hear worldly friends say, it's okay 
It's okay to talk about that, that person at work. It's okay to look as long as you don't touch. Then you struggle with lust over a woman or a man, and you wonder what is the right thing to do, and you're tortured in your mind and your thoughts. Look and think on those thoughts. You dwell on those things, but you follow the counsel of the ungodly when your mind saying there's no wrong because I'm not touching, I'm just looking. And Jesus would call what you're doing adultery in Matthew 5:28. For if a man looks upon a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. By the way, that goes the other way. If a woman looks upon a man with lust in her heart, she's already committed the act in her heart. Whew. I think a lot of times we forget the lessons of children's church. <laughs> Remember that song you used to, did y'all ever sing that song? I know we did. Be careful little eyes what you see. Anybody? Be careful little eyes what you see. Some of us, if we're not careful, will compromise. And your heart will deceive you, by the way. I've been told you. You'll look and say, boy, she's hot, and really, she's not. <laughs> oh, he's hot. No, he's not. Because rappers can be deceiving. Amen? Amen. You'll hear other things. You'll hear somebody say, it's okay if you hate them, just don't voice it. Jesus would call this act murder. I'm not reading the Old Testament to you. Look it up in Matthew 5, 21 through 30. Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you've murdered them. Can't hate people and go to heaven. Can't hate them. Amen. Sometimes it's hard. You can't hate them. You, that's where you better be walking as close as you can to Jesus. Last of all, the worst thing you can do is begin to compromise with evil, beginning to listen to the counsel of the ungodly, allowing yourself to look at pornography and justifying it in your mind or taking a longer look than needed at the beach at that boy or girl or at school, staring a little longer than you should to the point that lustful thoughts begin to create in your head. You don't lust, you're just admiring God's creation. I heard that one from a lot of my friends. Okay. You can miss church for a week. It's no big deal. You shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be so hard on yourself. Listen, I am not condemning vacations, and I'm not condemning times when you were sick or things like that, but how many would agree with me church is an easy habit to break? I'm preaching from experience. I attended the first year of college. I proudly attended Bedside Baptist. <laughs> Let that one sink in. I didn't proudly do it, but I compromised. We had chapel services every week, and I'm like, you know what? I have to go to chapel twice a week. Why don't? Or well, might as well throw this one out there. I've I got some mad at me anyway. All right, tithe. God, does God really expect me to give 10%? He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. What can my little 10% do to bless the church? I'll give what I can and God will understand. <laughs> then you try to be a Christian, but you follow the counsel of the ungodly. I'm telling you, you hear these things and you begin to compromise what you do to help bless the kingdom of God. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying if you're not careful, the counsel of the ungodly will make, begin to plant seeds of compromise. Those tentacles will begin to wrap themselves around you and before long, you'll begin to, to justify in your heart and mind walking further from God, not closer to God. Will you stand? That's going to be a two-parter. The worst thing you can do is begin to compromise with evil and listen to those things because they will destroy your walk with God. One compromise, then two, then three. Now you're st you are still trying to live the Christian life, walking, uh, walk with the, the, the godly walk, but your compromises are making it harder and harder, like walking into deeper, knee-deep water or into mud. You, you just seem to be sinking and you don't know what to do. I want you to understand this morning, if you, are if you still are walking, walk the good walk. You're still on a path, then walk the right path. Quit listening to those who would tell you otherwise. The problem is 
is that you have your eyes on the world and you're trying to walk in a different direction. It's like I read a story the other day of a woman who was killed, a young woman who was killed because she was looking at her phone and walked out in front of a speeding car. She's on the sidewalk. She thought she was walking straight. It was a straight sidewalk, but she didn't realize she was drifting. And when she looked up, she heard the horn and hit the car hit her. She was dead. She's gone. If we don't keep our eyes on the path before us, we may end up in front of a bus. We may end up seeing our life destroyed. Compromise will destroy you. I'm disturbed, and I shared this a few weeks ago, with wokeism in the church. I'm not talking about particularly harvest. I'm just talking about worldwide. There's this, this attitude of, well, we don't want to offend anybody. Guess what? There are times I sit and I read the Bible by myself, nobody around, and I'm offended at what it says. I am. I'm offended at what it says. You're offended at the Bible? I sure am because the Bible said, <laughs> says it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Sometimes it cuts deep and it hurts. But then I realized that it cuts the same into me as it does anyone else. It doesn't show partiality. It doesn't say, well, I'm going to be biased or prejudiced towards Phil. Or I'm going to be biased or prejudiced towards this one or that one. It says, you know what? It's the same because it's not made up by men. You know, the biggest compromise that's going on today is, is that this is a book of opinions by men. That's a compromise in the body of Christ. You realize that there are theological seminaries training the next generation of ministers saying that this word's fallible. It's full of foul. It's got, it's got fallacies in it. It's got incorrections. It's mistrain. There's, there's a group that are being trained that are beginning to say, you know what? It's okay for people to live any kind of way they want to. All they got to do is say, I'm a Christian. But then I read and I see what happened to the men and women in the Word. And if that was the case, why would they obey Jesus to their death? If that was the case, if it's okay for us to do whatever we want and we're okay, then why would John the Baptist preach against adultery and, and foolishly waste his life? He didn't foolishly waste his life. He stood with no compromise and it cost him. But Jesus himself said this about that man. There was no greater born of a woman than John. Wow. I don't know about you, but how many of you want heaven to celebrate it when you celebrate when you come? Amen. I don't want no golf clap when I go through the gates, do you? Good thing he made it. Man, I want angels high-fiving, saying, man, look what he did for Jesus. He was uncompromised in a generation that lived for compromise. He was assured of who he was in Jesus. And he lived it out. Look, I'm not talking about some harsh, mean gospel. I don't believe the disciples were harsh and mean, but they stood where they needed to stand. And it costs them. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost me to stand for what is right. Now, I am totally against us just being harsh and mean. That's not going to save anybody. Say you had a spot on your face. Okay, and your friend was a dermatologist, and you went out to dinner with them, and went out, to, you know, and had spent time with them, and and that friend never said anything to you. And then one day, you go to your regular doctor, and they say, "Man, that that's a really suspicious spot on your face. You need to go see a dermatologist." Why well, eat dinner with him once a week? He ain't never said nothing. 
Well, I think I'd go get a second opinion and you walk in and you see your friend and you say, hey, my doctor said there's a spot on my face and it looks suspicious. Oh yeah, that's probably a melanoma, but I just didn't want to offend you. I just didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't want you to have to go through the pain of having that cut out. I didn't want you to listen to me, friends. If you love me, then you point out when the bridge is out. If you love me, you're going to point out and say, Phil, if you're not careful, you're going to end up away from God. That's love. There was things I didn't understand my parents would not allow when I was a kid. I didn't understand it, man. I got furious at them. I just didn't understand why they had such silly rules is what I thought. Such silly things. For instance, if there was more than two cuss words in a program and daddy caught it, it went off. Now, man, you turn on regular TV and ain't no telling what you're going to see. Oh, that's okay. That's just the world we live in. Careful. Careful. That's the voice of compromise. Careful. The voice of compromise will get you talked into some things you're not willing to do, and you've done them. The voice of compromise. How many of you ended up in some trouble because of the compromise? You didn't do it all at once. You didn't just jump into it. You just whittled away at your resolve. We're going to stop there. So where's the hope in this? The hope is Jesus. Where's the hope in this? That God is saying that if you listen to the right counsel, God's going to prosper your life. God's going to bless your life. God's going to bless your family. God's going to bless your children. And if you get rid of the spirit of compromise, well, what if my kid's involved in something and I'm going to hurt them if I point it out? Listen, there's a right time and there's a right place. And I believe you got to pray for the right moment. But there will be a moment. See, that's where I think we get stuck. So we, we, we just keep pushing it out saying, when the right time comes, I'll have that conversation. Guess what? If we're not careful, we'll use that as an excuse not to have the conversation. But how much do I hate Paige and Peyton if I don't try to get them to heaven? How much do I hate you if I don't tell you the truth? Because it ain't love. Dear mom, it ain't love if I sit here and not tell you the truth. So my question is, is where are those who say no more? In Jesus' name, no more compromise. My question is, where are those who will come this morning and say, God, I lay all compromise at this altar because, God, I want to grow and be that child of God that I'm supposed to be. And if nobody comes, nobody comes. But I'm going to get in this altar and I'm going to pray because I'm going to lay some stuff down. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.